Friends, it's an absolute privilege tonight to read Psalm 42 and 43, two of my absolute favourites. On the Church Bible, it's on page 509 to kick off and over into 510. That's page 509, Psalm 42, Psalm 43. As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long, people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why? Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my saviour and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones, while all day long they say to me, Where is your God? Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Saviour. And my God. Vindicate me, God, and defend my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Then I will come to the altar of God, to God my greatest joy. I will praise you with the lyre, God, my God. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my saviour and my God. The second reading comes from 1 Peter 5, verses 6 to 11. That's on page 1116 in the Pew Bibles. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, 
casting all your care on him because he cares about you. Be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen and support you after you have suffered a little. The dominion belongs to him forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Noob. Thanks, Scott. Uh, we're starting a, a new sermon series next Sunday, so we're going to look at John's Gospel for the next six months. We're going to take December and January off, but apart from that, John 1, right through to John 21, leave to Easter next year. I'm pretty excited by that. You know, it's the only book of the New Testament that we haven't preached in this church for the last eight years. The only one from the New Testament is John's Gospel. Uh, we're going to start next Sunday. You'll find the sermon series on your newsletter. So please do prepare and come eager to learn more about your Savior. So we've got a one night uh, as a one-off sermon. What, what do I preach on? Uh, I prayed and I sought wisdom. And I decided to preach on a topic, and the topic is a spiritual dryness or spiritual weariness or spiritual depression if you want. And that might sound kind of gloomy. But here's why. The last six months, time and time and time and time again, I seem to have the same conversations with people from this church. And they say things to me like, Paul, um, I just feel empty spiritually. Paul, my, my walk with God is it's quite mundane. It's almost boring these days. Paul, I, I stand in church and I look at the words of the songs on, on the screen and I, I know I'm supposed to feel something when I say that God is with me, but I don't feel anything anymore. I've had people say to me, I leave church every Sunday night and I feel guilty because I just don't feel that closeness to God anymore. I've had people say to me that they haven't read their Bible for over a year. They used to love reading their Bible, but now they just can't be bothered anymore. And people say God is distant, God is absent, and they just don't feel close to God anymore. And that's why we're looking at spiritual dryness or spiritual weariness. I want to say thank you for being honest. Thank you for at least being honest about it. That's how you're doing with God. Because the reality is, most of us in our walk with God will have times when we feel like God is distant and we feel like God is absent and we, we feel that God is not with us anymore. It's my job as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, not just to, to preach at you every Sunday. My job as a pastor is actually to prepare you for the Christian life, to prepare you for every season of life that you will face, to, to prepare you for times of suffering, to prepare you for times of joy, to prepare you for times of delight and for prepare you for times of dryness. 
And I can guarantee there'll be people here tonight, people sitting in front of me tonight, and you'll say, that is me. I'm dry, I'm weary, God just feels distant from me. And I can guarantee that if you've never felt that, at some point in your walk with God, you will have a patch, a season, where you feel dry. What, what, what causes spiritual dryness? What causes you to feel weary with God? Uh, for some people, you know, it's just their personality. They're kind of that sort of melancholic, gloomy, almost negative kind of personality. And everything is just hard work, including their relationship with God. For some people here tonight, you know, you may actually be clinically depressed. You may be clinically depressed. You may be one of the the million Australians who are clinically depressed. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're immune from depression. You're with good company, you know. And Martin Luther suffered depression. The great Charles Spurgeon, he was described as being omnicompetent and incredibly eloquent, but also crying like a baby for no reason. He suffered depression. And if you do suffer depression, you know, because we're body, mind, and spirit, that can impact your relationship with God because you can feel like God has left you. Or maybe you're just dry because you're just physically exhausted. You're just physically and emotionally You've just hit the wall. You might be juggling sleepless nights with three kids. You might have just lost your job. You might be suffering a broken relationship. Whatever it is, you're just emotionally and physically exhausted. And again, because your body, mind, and spirit, that impacts your walk with God. Whatever the reason is, please don't pretend. Please take off the mask and acknowledge that you're having a hard time with God. That's our topic for tonight, spiritual dryness, spiritual weariness, spiritual depression, if you want. And we then look at Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. There's actually one psalm in the original. There's no break. And can I encourage you to, to meditate on this psalm, to learn it, to ponder it, to bookmark it, to highlight it, to come back to this psalm again and again and again and again and again. Thank you for reading, Scott. You read it really, really well. Just the, the psalm is actually so emotive. It's actually like a modern song. There are verses and there's a chorus. And the chorus comes three times. Did you spot the chorus when it was read? And verse 5, that's the chorus. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior, my God. Uh, verse 11, uh, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior, my God. 43 verse 5. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, I will still praise him, my saviour, my God. See see, see what he's doing? He's asking a question. Why am I feeling like this? Why am I in this state of agony and depression and spiritual dryness? Why? And the solution or the answer is, is look up to God. 
Lift your eyes to God. Focus on God again. Trust in your Savior. Trust in your God. That's our structure for tonight. The symptoms or the signs of, of dryness and then the solution to dryness. What's the symptoms? What are the signs? How do you know that you are spiritually weary? Uh, the obvious one is that you are spiritually isolated. You, you feel all alone. You feel like God is distant. I do love the signs because they're so emotive. You're supposed to sense the agony. You're supposed to sense the desperation in verse 1. As a deer longs, pants for streams of water, I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before my God? Do you feel it? He says, I feel like one of those animals in the drought. And I'm not leaping for joy these days. I'm just limping along. And I feel like a deer who is just limping listlessly, desperately towards that stream, that river. And I'm just looking for some water, looking for something to quench my thirst. But I'm longing for you, God. I'm thirsting for you, God. And did you notice what the psalmist is looking for? He doesn't want people. He doesn't want pity. He doesn't want pious platitudes. Who does he want? Look at it. Verse 1, who does he want? Tell me. His God. I find that profoundly comforting. Because he's a man of God, because he's got the Spirit of God in him, There are those moments when he knows that he should be close to God, but he doesn't feel like that. He feels like his God is a a long, 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 long way away. And surely you felt that, haven't you? Be honest. I remember sitting in this church last year, and that song that we sing, God is able... It's a wonderful, truthful song. God is able. He's on our side. God is with us. His arms are open wide. God is for us. I remember sitting here one one Sunday evening thinking, I know that is true. I know that is true up here. But everything within me wanted to sing, God is not able. And God is not with me. And God is not on my side. Because at that moment in time, I didn't feel that was true. Oh, I know it was true, just how I was feeling that night. And so the psalmist feels disheartened and he feels discouraged. He feels dry. But verses 1 and 2 are not, not a cry of unbelief. They're a cry from a man of God, a heart of faith. He's struggling to praise God, but he wants to praise God. I find the question in verse 2 fascinating. When can I come and appear before God? Now, what's the answer to that question? Can someone tell me? When can he come and appear before God? Anytime. You know that, don't you? 
if you're here tonight and you've put your faith in Jesus, you put your trust in Jesus, you've come to the cross of Jesus, you, you know that Jesus has cleansed you and washed you, you know that God has forgiven you, and you know that Jesus is your mediator, you don't need to come to a church, you don't need to come to a priest, you can just come to God anytime, any place, anywhere. He's there, he's listening, he's waiting, he's longing. You know that, don't you? But there are times when you don't feel it. It's made worse by verse 4. Because the psalmist says, it wasn't always like this. I remember the past. I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I used to walk. That's the sense. I, I used to walk with many people. I used to lead the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. So the irony in this psalm, if you look at the superscript, is it's the... It's the son of Korah who writes it. The sons of Korah were the Levitical singers in the temple. They were the, the people who would lead the worship. They were the people who would actually lead all of God's people, and they would, they'd be singing, they'd be dancing, they'd be delighting in God. And the psalmist is saying, I used to be a worship leader. I was the one who led the people in the praises of God, but, but that was then. And this is now. I wonder why he feels like this. Maybe he is in exile and he can't go to the temple. Maybe he's sick and so he can't go to the temple. Or maybe he's done what happens to most of us. We take this sort of gradual process where we come to church and we're leading the worship and then the next weekend we don't feel it but we put on the mask. We just pretend and we keep on pretending until one day we stop pretending. We take off the mask and we say, God, I'm actually a long, long way away from you. And so he asks the question in verse 5, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Is this ever you? Do you ever sit down to pray and you, you feel like you're a fraud? You say, our Father in heaven, but at that moment in your prayer life, God seems more like a, a distant relative than your heavenly Father. And you open your Bible and it just seems like empty words rather than the life-giving, spirit-breathed word of God. And you come to church and you almost feel like you're the only person here who is distant from God. Do you ever feel that? That spiritual isolation, you feel you're spiritually all alone. Why would you feel that? Let me say, if you do feel that, it could actually be a sign of, of your sin. It could actually be that you're just living this life of unconfessed, habitual sin. You just don't care. But it's, it's weighing you down and the burden is upon you. and just, You just feel guilty the whole time and your conscience is being seared. And so you feel distant from God. If, if that is you, then just come to Jesus, confess your sin, leave it at the cross. Delight in forgiveness. It, it could be that maybe you just actually don't have the Spirit of God in you. Maybe you've just never really trusted in Jesus. It's all just a, a charade. It's just a fake that you just come to church every week, but you never really believed in Jesus. But I'm guessing for most of us, it's just life, isn't it? Trials, tragedies, disappointments, discouragements, and just those seasons that we go through where God just seems to be distant. 
And I find this psalm such an encouragement. Because I'm not the only person who sometimes feels like that. So there's the spiritual isolation. There's also the emotional stuff, the emotional feeling of being overwhelmed. Again, it's so descriptive, isn't it? Verse 3. I couldn't have written it better. My tears have been my food day and night. Do you see what he's saying there? He says, I, I don't feel like eating anymore. I just feel like crying. I haven't got an appetite for food I just weep like a baby all the time. Verse 5 again, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? The, the sense there is I'm emotionally exhausted. I just feel flat all the time. I just, I've got nothing in the tank anymore. But for me, verse 7 really sums it up best. Deep course to deep in the, the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers, your billows have swept over me. He's just saying, I feel like I've been battered and bruised and I'm just drowning, God. I don't know whether you've ever been surfing. I have an extraordinary gift of surfing. Here's my gift of surfing. I think many English people have got this gift of surfing. My gift of surfing is, is catching the wave at precisely the worst point possible time. Do you know how you're supposed to sort of just rise slightly ahead of the wave? I've got this gift of riding on top of the wave, so I'm about to be smashed all the time. Now, if you ever experience it, what, what happens when you get smashed by a wave? Your board goes flying in the air, it tugs at your leg, what happens to you? You go down under the water, and you feel like you're in a tumble dryer, don't you? You're spinning over every place. You haven't got any idea what, which way is up, which way is down. And you just feel like you're drowning and you're never going to resurface again. And those moments when you're under the water, it's kind of like this, this surreal experience. You're kind of going, am I ever going to get out of this? And it's only a moment. But in that moment, it just feels like everything is on top of you. And that's how the psalmist feels. God, I'm drowning. God, I, I don't know which way is up anymore. But do you spot the important word in verse 7? Uh, the word is your. Deep course to deep in the roar of your waterfalls and all your breakers and your billows have swept over me, saying, God, you're still in control. I know you're God. I, I know you're, you, you made the oceans. You're in control of the oceans. But at this moment in time, God, it, it feels like you're the one who is oppressing me. But emotional depression, emotional exhaustion. Let me speak very personally for just a moment. And many of you know this. So we started Church by the Bridge in February 2005. In April 2005, it's just eight weeks later, I experienced what is thus far the... the, the the darkest days of my life. Now, I don't think I was depressed, but it was this series of events and series of circumstances that, that God kind of just chucked these boulders into my life. And I couldn't cope. 
And that was profoundly humbling, you know, that Paul Dale, the superhuman, couldn't cope. And I wasn't in control, and I couldn't solve it. And I remember, this is not a particularly nice image, but I remember sitting, literally just sitting in the shower for about half an hour, just sobbing like a baby. And in those days, I couldn't read my Bible and I couldn't pray. And I felt even more of a fraud because I was supposed to be the pastor of the church. The great church planter who can't even read his own Bible and can't pray. And Psalm 42 and 43 was actually my food for that period. Verse 9 for me is a particularly profound verse. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? I felt abandoned. God was supposed to be my immovable rock. God was supposed to never leave me. But at that moment, I felt like God had left me. I know it wasn't true, but it's how I felt at the time. Now, what I didn't need, what I didn't need was those well-meaning friends who gave me the pious sort of God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Don't worry about it. And what I didn't need was the, oh, come on, Paul, snap out of it. And what I didn't need was the, the offers of prayer but no practical help. What I really needed was someone just to sit with me and to remind me of who my God was. Do you know who did that for me? One of my closest friends lives in Canberra. He drove up every Friday and sat with me and prayed with me and reminded me how good my God was. It's okay, you know. Stop pretending. Take off the mask. If you're feeling distant from God, it's okay. That's why this psalm is here. So what is the solution? What is the solution to this spiritual dryness? You could put on a mask. You could pretend that won't solve anything, you know. The solution is what? Be honest. Talk to yourself. Isn't that what the psalmist is doing down in verse 5? He's he's talking to himself. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? You know, people say that talking to yourself is the first sign of madness. The psalmist says talking to yourself is the first sign of maturity, actually. Start to talk to yourself. I say, is there a reason for this? There may actually be a really good reason for it. It may, it may be that, you know, that you've suffered this series of calamities and you just can't cope anymore. That's okay. But talk to yourself. It's uh, Martin Lord-Jones who says, if you don't talk to yourself, then yourself will talk to you. And what he means by that, if you don't start to actually talk to yourself, then your, your, your inner feelings will start to dictate to you, and your inner feelings will say, a poor God doesn't love you. God has left you. But when you start talking to yourself, you say, Paul, you may not feel it, but... But Jesus does love you, and Jesus did die for you, and just cling on to the cross again. So talk to yourself and talk to other people. 
You know when you walk into church and someone says to you, how are you going? And everything within you wants to say, I feel like God's a million miles away, I'm just not coping anymore. But you just give the, oh, I'm having a tough week and I'm struggling through my Bible at the moment. Please be honest and talk to people. Uh, read about this uh, beautiful friendship. There's a beautiful friendship between uh, John Newton and William Cowper. You heard of those two men? So John Newton wrote the, wrote the uh, hymn Amazing Grace. Uh, William Cowper was another hymn writer. He wrote hundreds of, of hymns. And they had this, this beautiful friendship. So, so John Newton was this kind of you know, extrovert, upbeat, uh, always spiritually high kind of guy. William Cowper, who was a manic depressive, who often felt like God had left him. But John Newton was his friend. And Cowper writes about how John Newton would visit him and pray with him and cry with him and read with him and write to him and he gave his whole holiday to go a holiday with him. And at the end of his life, Cowper wrote this about John Newton. He says, A more affectionate, sincere friend no man has ever had. And we need friends, don't we, to sit and read and pray and send text messages and send songs to us. So be honest, talk to yourself. Secondly, be humble and cast yourself on God. Be humble and cast yourself on God. Uh, Ten times in this psalm, the psalmist says, why? Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil? Why have you left me? Why have you forgotten me? Why have you rejected me? Why must I go out in sorrow? Why, God? Why, God? Why? You see, God knows, doesn't he? God knows how you're feeling. You can't hide it from him. So try casting yourself on God like the psalmist in verse 9. Again, he's talking to himself. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? So I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to say to God, God, you're my rock. You're supposed to be immovable. At this moment in time, it feels like you're sinking sand. Why is that, God? Say to God, verse 2 of Psalm 43, God, you're my refuge, you're my strength, you're my protector, you're my tower. So why have you rejected me, God? Why do I feel like you've left me, God? It's okay to tell God how you're feeling. Uh, there's a fine line between telling God how you're feeling and falling into sin. You, know, you should never abuse God. You should never blame God. You should never blaspheme God. But it's okay to tell him how you're feeling. And then when you've done that, what's the next step? To beg of him, to plead with him, to intercede with him. Not just tell him how you're feeling, but, but call out to him, cry out to him, plead with him. That's what the psalmist does. Do you see that down in Psalm 43? He's asking God to help. Vindicate me, God. Help me, God. Defend my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from the deceitful, unjust man. Uh, this person who is offending me, please save me, God. You're my refuge. I love what he asks in verse 3. He says, God, I'm in the darkness, so please send your light. God, I'm surrounded by lies, so please send your truth. 
And may those two things, your light and your truth, may they lead me and may they bring me back to you, to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. And then I will come to the altar of God, to God my greatest joy. And you're supposed to get the picture of this, of this man who's on his knees with tears down his face and he's begging his God and he's pleading with his God. Do you ever do that? Do you ever sit in your room by your bed and turn off the TV and turn off the internet and turn off everything and just sit with God and cry before him? That's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of extraordinary strength. To plead before your God. To ask of him. But make sure you know the God that you're praying to. You see, the psalmist clearly knows God, doesn't he? Just look at the words he uses to, to describe God. Verse, verse 2, I thirst for God, the, the living God. Down to verse 8, Yahweh, the Redeemer, the Rescuer, the personal God, he will send his faithful love. My God is faithful and his song will be with me. He'll be with me. Verse 9, he is my rock. 42 verse 2, he's my refuge. 43 verse 4, he is my greatest joy, he is my God. And the repeated phrase, he's my saviour, my redeemer, my friend and my God. So if you know this God, then you should spend time with him. What do you want Peter to say? Cast your anxieties onto him. Why, why do you do that? Because he... He cares for you. So sit with your God and pray to your God and plead with your God because he knows you, he loves you, he cares for you. So you've done those two things. You've, you've been honest with yourself and you've been humble before your God. What's next? What's step three? Be patient and just learn to wait. I know that's really hard for us. We want everything now, don't we? We get frustrated when it takes more than 30 seconds to download something from the internet. We want it all now. And God doesn't work like that. Read your Psalms. Psalm 6. How long, O Lord? Psalm 40. I'm waiting. I'm in anguish. How long? Must I wait for you? Uh, we've no idea how long this psalmist waited. He could have waited a few weeks. He could have waited years. We don't know. The point is that he was willing to wait. And that's the sense of this whole psalm because it, it's written from a perspective that this is how I'm feeling right now, but as I, as I look forward, I will see a day. And I, I, I know there's going to be a day but I won't feel like this anymore. You sense that? Verse 5. Put your hope in God today, for I will still praise him, my Saviour and my God. Verse 8. The Lord will send his faithful love. His song will be with me. I don't feel like it now, but I know that will be true. 43 verse 3. Send your light and then bring me back to you, God. See, here's the reality. God often makes you wait. 
Why does God do that? Why doesn't God give you what you want right here, right now, when you just snap your fingers? Why does he do that? What's God doing whilst you're waiting? He's doing a good work in you, isn't he? He's refining you. He's changing you. He's growing your trust. He's growing your dependence. He's growing your prayerfulness. He's growing your, your longing and your desiring of him. See, spiritual dryness is not actually a weakness at all. It's actually an extraordinary opportunity for growth. Maybe you're here tonight and you're dry, you're spiritually dry. Well, be humble and be honest and wait. But my fear is that there's a lot of people in this church who really haven't got a clue what I'm talking about tonight. And that's because you've never really thirsted for God like the psalmist thirsted for God. You've never really longed for that that intimacy, that emotional oneness, that, that connectivity with your God. Because for you, you're just satisfied with a kind of a distant friendship with God. God wants much more than a distant friendship. God wants to be your friend and your father. He wants to know you. He wants to hold you. He wants to walk with you. And I'm preaching this sermon tonight. It could be a, a, an important sermon for you that you might crave and long for that, that depth of connectivity and that intimacy with your God, that you might thirst and long for him like the psalmist did. Because I can guarantee when you do, you will praise him and delight in him and find a joy in him that you will never have found if you hadn't gone through that longing and that thirsting. So what we're going to do now, friends, is we're going to just sit where you are. You might want to kneel, whatever posture is right for you. And we're going to listen to to Psalm 42 being sung. As it's sung, can, can I just ask you to just intercede with your God, to cry out to him, and then we're going to stand and sing together.